Retro Rebel Gamecast, episode 47, is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook and 30-day trial at audibletrial.com slash Toddcast. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, or MP3 player. Welcome to the Retro Rebel Gamecast, where we discuss gaming and related topics for you to listen Retro Rebels release every week, and you can find this episode and much more by heading to TempleofGeek.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. You can even find us on Facebook at Temple of Geek for exclusive content and to see what else we're up to. My name is Stacy, and with me is my fellow Rebel co-host, Amanda. What's up, Amanda? What's good? What's good? Well, apparently it is cold in the motherland. It is cold, man. We're, we've, we've had snow disruptions. I worked two days from home last week because the trains were all screwed up. Man. But the snow is melted for today. It's 7 degrees Celsius. Uh, but that's only going to last uh, one more day. And then it's back to freezing again. They're expecting more snow. So screw you, that... beast from the east. <laughs> well, for those in America who don't know what Celsius is, um, it's cold, but it's not quite freezing. Seven, seven yeah. degrees. So. Yeah, no, it's not freezing. But it was. It was minus two last week. It was it was well cold. So. Yeah, and that sounds so much worse, and it is bad, but... Um, Which would be in the 20s for you folks. Exactly. <laughs> fair, fair enough. See, so there's a good point of reference for everyone. So. <laughs> well, what have you been up to? What have you been playing? Oh, I've been playing a lot, man. I've, uh, you know, snow days and whatnot. So oh, I played, I beat the entire Brave game, which was at a Xbox 360 port, one of the free games for gold this month uh, on Xbox. And uh, it's based on the Disney fairytale princess from the movie Brave. Um, it when was, you told it me that, I was cute. like, there's just no way that's what it, that is. But it yeah, was. Yeah, that's what it was. It, you know what? It was not a kid's game. It was like. Really? A very competent 3D with some platformer elements, uh, some good hack and slash thrown in there. It was a solid game. I would say it was really quick. I, I mean, I beat it in probably a total of four, maybe five hours total. Yeah. Um, but that was good because towards the end of it, I was like, oh. But I did full completionist. I found all of the items, all of the tapestries, everything. You know, it, it's because it is like geared towards a younger audience. It wasn't so easy to figure out where they would be hiding things. Like if a path went off both ways, uh, right. chances are there was something down each of them. So go down both. Um, but it, it was cool. It had some puzzles in there. Like, you know, it had, you know, your general kind of acrobatic sort of stuff, which I'm not very good at. But in this game, because it's more for kids, it was pretty easy. Um, I did skip through most of the story only because the story is like identical to the movie almost. So it's about, you know, releasing, you know, everyone from the evil of Mordu and her, you know, mom's still a bear and blah, blah, blah. So it was essentially like taking part in the middle of the movie. Yeah. Um, so I just skipped through the cutscenes, but they were like illustrated cutscenes, So I didn't feel bad about skipping that. I was just like, oh, somebody just did some drawing. It's not even animation. So that's fine. I'll just skip that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was a fun little afternoon for a free game. I didn't mind it. Um, yeah, I would say if you've got some time, it's, it's a, it's a very competent 
entry, in my opinion. Yeah. Like, the graphics could be better, but it's 360, so who cares? Like, it was fun. You had a sword and a bow. You know, it was fairly easy to control. You get power moves. You, I think there's even a co-op as well, because it kept telling me to, like, level up, and there was, like, a co-op wisp. So I'm assuming that you could play with someone else. I don't know if that's online or, like, couch, but I didn't, because getting my husband to play it was going to be a challenge so forget it <laughs> that didn't and then, seem uh, to fit into his uh yeah yeah okay it's too manly to play disney princess game well. <laughs> and uh but yeah and then i've also been playing Fortnite, uh which wow. i am pretty good at as it turns out well and you're humble so i'm so humble <laughs> <laughs> so so Fortnite. um what is what level are you what um uh, I think I'm like maybe 12, 14, something like that. I get into the top 10 fairly consistently. Um, my strategy is thus. Uh, so there's a battle bus that takes you over the island where everybody fights. I only play Battle Royale, by the way. I haven't played the story mode. Don't care. Right. Um, because it's not going to be a good story Plus anyway. You for it. Yeah, forget it. Don't care. Um, so I've only been playing Battle Royale. 100 people, they t put you in a bus, the bus flies over an island, you can jump out whenever you want once you're, like, on land. You can jump out, skydive, and go wherever, kind of, you want to start out. Now, the way I was playing it before I started playing with my brother is a bit different, but they both yield the same results. So, essentially, you want to be looking at the back of the bus and wait to jump when, like, no one else is jumping and just kind of look for buildings where the roof isn't already destroyed because if the roof's already been destroyed you know someone's landed there they probably pick the place clean and like and they could be start waiting to shoot you exactly and kind of start in the outer edges yeah the as the island shrinks um and you have less playing field um you basically well i what i do is hide hide See? like my life depends on yeah. it yeah. um and and then i wait until there's like 15 people left and then I try to find a like strategic position, but also still hidden. So yeah. I'll be looking like under brick archways and stuff, which are harder to destroy. I want it, I want the wall of the storm directly to my back so nobody can sneak up on me. Yeah. Um, and then I just pretty much wait it out until I'm forced to fight somebody. I yeah. don't take any pot shots at anybody because that reveals your location. And I feel like if the other people have been playing longer, they kind of know how to defend themselves better than I do. Right. So I'm just kind of skating through, but I made it to second place, uh, three or four times. Yeah. Um, and th basically the guy just came up and shot me at the end, you know, because it gets so small that you, you know, you can't really effectively hide anymore, yeah. but still <laughs> they get to second place. I've only killed four people and I've played 35 matches. Yeah. So like, I, I know feeling that we would have, we would play it the same way. Yeah, it's a good strategy. Now, what my brother does is, and I think this is clever, and I think I'm going to change my strategy, is he doesn't jump. He waits for the bus to kick him out, and he immediately hang glides until the storm forms yeah. so he can find what the outer edge is going to be. And then he lands like just outside that outer edge so he can find a hiding place like within it and still get some loot. Yeah. That's pretty brilliant strategy because it gets you, by that time, by the time you've actually landed, Half of the playing field has already been eliminated yeah. because a lot of people are stupid and they just like start shooting people and, and whatever. The only downside to all of those strategies, you know, is, is that at the end, you're always going to fight somebody with a rocket launcher. 
Yeah. Like yeah. you just you just will. You'll fight somebody in a tower with a rocket launcher and you will lose. Yeah. But you will lose as second place, which is first loser. The first to loser. Ever That's right. So I will I will take that. So as it turns out, yeah, pretty good at Fortnite. I'm not bad <laughs> and I would I would happily play with anybody who wants to play. My call sign is Dark Deuce D A R Q U E D U C E. Come on, invite me. Let's do it. Very nice. Well, um, I actually have been playing, I played a little bit of Fortnite. First time I ever played, I got 10th, and I played the exact wow. same way that you did. Uh, again, like, because if anytime I play a shooter, I go immediate to stealth mode, um, because my I'm not the kind of person that likes to just run into a room guns blazing, It's because it's never worked. It's never been good. Um, it's... It, and I think that's what makes Battle uh, Battlefront so frustrating is because you almost can't do anything but that in the Star Wars Battlefront. You have to go guns blazing. There is no place to hide, really, unless you're Bubba Fett. And then you can just go up onto a ledge or something. But, yeah, I hid and, and kind of just did that, uh, let the storm stick to my back and just kind of would move as the storm moved and I'd find a building and I'd get everything, all the resources out of it. Uh, and then eventually, because it was my very first time to play, eventually I got to a point where somebody snuck up on me or watched me go to another building and then sniped me. So, um, but yeah, well, I've been playing, um, I finally finished Uncharted Lost Legacy. Uh, for those that, you know, it's been five months, I guess, since that game came out. Uh, so if you've forgotten, this is the pretty much forgotten game that came out in 2017, uh, the Uncharted game. It was. It's not quite a full Uncharted game. Uh, so, have you ever played Uncharted, Amanda? Okay, because it's all PlayStation, so that's probably why. Yeah, no, I've never played PlayStation, but I hear it's an awesome game. Is I mean, that the one good... with a guy named Drake in it? <laughs> it does have Drake in it. Uh, he is related to Sir Francis Drake in the game, supposedly. Oh. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, this one. This one is. Um, this one is unique, I guess, because you don't you don't play as uh, as Drake. So uh, in this one, hold on one second. Uh, I want to make sure I get it right because there are a couple things in the game that are uh, kind of spoilers, I guess. Uh, in that, I mean, if you haven't played the original, then I mean, if you haven't played Uncharted Four, then you might. You might not know that these parts, or these are parts of the game. But anyway, I think it's I think it's pretty much, at this point, uh, common knowledge. Sam Drake is your brother, and you meet him in the last game, or Uncharted 4. Um, he's never really been a part of the Uncharted series, but he's in Lost Legacy as well. And, uh, you know, he's... You know, he's your bigger brother. You know, you grew up in, and this is Uncharted 4. You grew up in a, in a, an orphanage. And, uh, and that's, that's part of like your backstory that they start to tell in Uncharted 4. Well, in Uncharted Lost Legacy, uh, you play as Chloe Frazier and, and Nadine Ross. So they're two, two of the stronger female characters that are in the, in the series. Uh, but kind of fringe characters. So, uh, you know, Chloe wasn't wasn't necessarily in the series a whole lot, and and Nadine neither one uh, were in it very much. So, 
Um, but they were they're good, strong characters, and that's the thing about this series is pretty much every female character in the series is a strong character, is is well fleshed out, and and I've actually I enjoyed the way the game plays out because it plays out pretty much like a movie, and it plays out a lot like a better version even of National Treasure <laughs> with Nicolas Cage. It's a way better version of that. It's kind of like a cross between Indiana Jones and that. I mean, anything could be a better version than that. I don't know. That's kind of good popcorn movie. You know? Oh, my God, no. It's just, you know. It... <laughs> no. Nope. Okay, brutal. Not anyway, buying it. better than that. So, for whatever it's worth. Thank um, fuck for that. And uh, so, you play as these, you play as these two char- these two female characters, um, and your your goal is to get this tusk, which is a treasure, and and it's just your adventures through that. Anyway, it's a little bit shorter than an a normal Uncharted game, has a few less chapters, uh, which is good for me because I was able to finish it finally. Um, and I actually think that this is one of the games that I could actually platinum on PlayStation if I wanted to. Uh, it's because it's that much fun to go find all the treasures. Um, the challenges that they have on there for you to platinum the game uh, are achievable for someone like me who's usually not motivated to do stuff like that. And if I am, it's because it's a lot of fun. The mechanics are fun. It's fun to find the treasures. It's fun to you know, to find creative ways to get past the enemies or to dispatch the enemies. So it's a lot of fun. Uh, so I really enjoyed it. It's, it was, uh, yeah, it took me probably eight hours to complete total. Uh, maybe a little bit longer than that in between feeding the baby. So, uh, but it was good. I've that, but that's really all I've had time to play, um, in terms of like, um, you know, sitting down and actually, progressing through a game i've played little games here and there but haven't done a whole lot of progression so right but anyway so i'm looking forward to march is a big gaming month and there are a lot of games that are going to be released and so what i wanted to do first before we got into our first topic is is go over just some of the news that's out right now so right now um there are a number of games that are going to be released this month and some you may be interested in uh one of which is the sims 4 what? 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 I already played it. I thought you were playing Sims 3. No, I played it. Are you? Sims 4. Okay, Sims 4? Yeah. Oh, well, Is it an expansion? This. Yeah, I think it's an expansion. But even so, if you're already playing it, it's the same. Okay. Unless I mean, maybe you can I've... be something or go into space. Maybe you can go into space. Uh, I think, yeah, I saw that was an expansion. Yeah. So there's a Sims 4 expansion. Um, sea of Thieves is being released this month. And, you know, there's been a lot of buzz for that one where you can make your own pirate. It's supposed to be an open world, uh, kind of an MMO on the console. Um, I was interested in this in the beginning. I'm still kind of hesitant. I know that if you buy uh, the Game Pass on Xbox, this is one of the games that you get uh, right on release date. So... First time I think that that I've ever seen that where a, a new game that hasn't been released yet will be available as a as a you know an instant download on a Game Pass type uh, system so or a Game Pass uh, you know typically in situations like that you don't have 
access to brand new games. You know, you have to purchase a brand new game. They want you to get all the upgrades and the DLC and that stuff. So uh, I don't know if that means that they have a lot of faith in this game or if that means that they have no faith in this game, you know, Um, or they're just trying to get people in the world. And if they do, then maybe they'll enjoy it. So, but Sea of Thieves is being released. Another one that you might be interested in that's coming out this month is Far Cry 5. Bam. Yeah, Far Cry. Bam. And this one's set in the, I think, the upper Midwest. Um, have you seen anything about this? I know we talked about it earlier this year. but No, no, I haven't. I've it... been waiting for them to announce release of Bayonetta 3. <laughs> well, that one was not on the list. Um, but Far Cry 5 was, and Far Cry 5 has... Uh, and it seems like they've always had really interesting... I haven't played the game. I know what it's about. I know the gist of it. And after hearing you talk about it, it definitely is something I'd be interested in playing. But they always have interesting villains. And the villain in this one is a evangelical preacher, kind of with a... He runs a cult. Creepy. Yeah. it's He may be the scariest of all of the villains so far. Because he's kind of the most realistic, unfortunately. Yeah, that's super creepy. Um, and that's that's uh, that's I mean it's supposed to be a big sprawling open world game as well, just like all the Far Cries are, and um, and that should be fun for those that are interested in that. Uh, the last two that I wanted to talk about are <laughs> one of them I'm I actually am more intrigued now because um, I, I've learned a little bit more about it, and that's a way out. And A Way Out is made by the same people that made the game Brothers. Um, and I know that we mentioned this because we talked about it in December when we were looking at games that we might be looking forward to. And I wasn't looking forward to this because I thought it was going to be just like Brothers. However, from what I found, you actually... In Brothers, you have to stay on the same screen. You have to work together to achieve goals and to uh, get past puzzles and things like that. Well, in a way out, you're stuck in prison. And there are similarities in that you or there are two people that have to cooperate. So two players, and it can be couch cooperate, where you have to get out of prison. But you may be working in separate parts of the prison to try to get out to achieve certain goals. So one of you may be in the lunchroom, one of you may be in the lunch line, and it'll be split screen. And you're trying to, you know, you're trying to enact some plan that you came up with. And so... So it's a it's a much bigger scope, and I think that that may make this game a little bit more interesting to me. Uh, plus, I I mean everybody I think that remembers Couch Co-op enjoys Couch Co-op, and if there's a game that's done right, like Kane and Lynch, the first one is was fun enough. Army of Two was fun enough if you had someone to play with you, and this may be a, a step in that direction because Brothers was a good game. It was a well put together game, and so this one may be as well. I don't know. That sounds good. I like Coach Couch Co-op. Yeah. yeah, I knew you did, so I thought you might be interested in that. And then lastly, this will be probably the most exciting news for you. Uh, Warhammer Vermintide 2 is coming out this month. How will that be the most exciting news for you? Are you being sarcastic? I'm being completely sarcastic. You, completely you're so sarcastic. evil. I was like, Warhammer <laughs> Vermintide is garbage. Excited. You're like, what is this game that I might be excited about? I know. About? And then you oh, how dare hopes you? were dashed. Yeah. Thanks for that. Jesus. <laughs> I don't even I'm know sorry. how to respond to that. Well, Isn't now it? you're like, well, I was expecting to elaborate, and now I'm just like, F all this. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. No, so, that's garbage game. Well, my well, my question is, is how did that happen? How did it happen that a green light went to Vermintide Two? I see a lot of people play this game. It's just not for me. Like, yeah. lots of people on my feed and stuff are always playing this. I think my brother plays it, but I don't like. It's not fun. It's all janky. Like, the movements look unnatural. Like, the controls are weird. Nah, pass. Strong pass. Strong hard pass. Okay. Yo. Um. Well, uh, the last thing I wanted to hit on was. There was a, uh, over the weekend, or I guess right before the weekend, before we recorded this, um, you know, there was another tragedy in the United States with a shooting, not, not over the weekend, but in the past two weeks, there was, or three weeks, there was another shooting and gaming came back up into the news and the, uh, current administration, the Trump administration, um, made an announcement that they were going to meet with gaming executives to discuss the effects of gaming on violence and um what i felt what i found was interesting though is when i started doing research on that because it seemed to come out of nowhere again and you know we could we could speculate that the reason that it was even proposed was to deflect any kind of focus on maybe the actual issues but what i thought was most interesting was the gaming executives had no idea where this came from. Like, they were not contacted. They weren't even sure whose idea it was to meet. Was it? <laughs> so, uh, you know, I just, I guess, ultimately you being from, an, you know, or you living in another country, but what are your thoughts on that? Um, you know, just the idea, just quick, because this could be its own topic, obviously. Um, I think it's preposterous. Of course yeah. I do. Yeah. Like, I live in a country that doesn't allow guns, and most of the police officers don't even have guns. So, like, I think that the rise in, you know, gun violence has to do with guns being common in the U.S., not video games or anything like that, because people here play just as much video games as people in Australia, but because we have extreme gun laws, there isn't any mass shootings. They just aren't. Like, it doesn't happen. Google it. There's never been one. Yeah. So... I think I think it has to do with the fact that guns are so easily accessible and people are irresponsible with them. And, um, you know, I'm I'm not, you know, like I'm from the South as well. So I'm not like opposed to people having guns full stop. But if you want to know how people are getting a hold of guns and shooting up schools, it's just because they have access to them. And, you know, People that are unstable will do that sort of thing. Now, I'm not saying that, uh, you know, the UK and Australia don't have crime like we do. And we do have violent crime. It tends to be knife crime, um, which is a lot more survivable. And also, you cannot mow down 30 people with a knife. Right. You just can't. Yeah. Like, you have to catch them first. Yeah. Like, so it's just not <laughs> yeah. possible. You know well, what I mean? As like, you're getting one, there's a good chance you can be overwhelmed by many. So, I mean, it's just a... a uh... Yeah, it, it's just not a thing. Yeah. It's not a thing. And and I don't think video games have anything to do with it because both Australia and the UK play the same exact games that the US does and they just don't have this problem. So if anybody needed proof, there you go. Like Right. But that's not admissible, apparently, obviously. So 
I just felt yeah. that it was interesting that it came up again. And even though it's been, we, we just happen to be in an anti-intellectual age, uh, and which is interesting considering how much access we have to technology and information. And yet we are probably at a, you know, uh, we are at a peak over the last 30 years of anti-intellectualism um, where you're just not thinking. We're not thinking. We're not taking yeah. <laughs> everything into consideration. So uh, it came up over the new or over the weekend. And uh, I thought that was interesting to note. So, mm-hmm. but on a lighter note, something that's exciting and interesting brings us to our first topic. Trailers for games, just like trailers for movies, they can excite us. They can also probably put a damper, maybe hinder our excitement, uh, maybe even get us to where we're disinterested in a game. So for you, Amanda, what is it about a trailer that might get you excited about playing a game? Or what could be in a trailer? What would you want to see that excites you about a game? And then what might you see that might put a damper on it? Well... I want to end on a positive note, so I'm going to start with things I don't like to see. I think the first one is <laughs> nice. when they when they say that it's in-game footage, but it's obviously um, like a cutscene or something like that. You know, where there's like way too much talking and stuff, where you know that that's not actually part of the game play. Like it might be footage of the game, yeah, of a cutscene, mate. Like that it's not the same thing. The same thing when they say, you know, you can do this and this and this um, and make promises for things that don't actually exist in the game yet, like things that are not even in development. Um, no Man's Sky, the guy who was creating that was famous for this by saying like, yeah, you'll run into other people in this world and blah, blah, blah. But it didn't exist. It wasn't a real thing. Peter Molyneux is famous doing this um so yeah yeah, so trailers for me if it's conceptual footage or in-game footage of cutscenes, i'm automatically done like because there wasn't anything good in the game to actually show us then that's what it tells me like you didn't have anything real um what i do like is like lore based um cutscenes, like especially when it's not super obvious if you're not a fan of the genre like Skyrim did a lot of this leading up to it where you just see the Skyrim logo and a date, yeah. you know, like they did this for like loads and we were all like, what? Yeah. Like we knew <laughs> what it was. Um, same thing. Mass effect had one with like the gun. Um, and it was just a, like a super close up of the detail in one of the guns. And same thing. You were like, what? Yeah. Like, um, so I think, uh, if it's too early in the game to show actual in-game footage, then stuff about the lore to get people excited for the world, I think works. And yeah. it's not lies because the world's coming. So right. I like that. Um, and then I also like like actual in-game footage. So I want to get an idea of the sort of missions, like your loadout, like what are you going to look like? How is it going to play? Because a lot of times, like, well, sometimes it has the opposite effect where, I see the multiplayer, for example, and I'm like, nope. Um, Halo did that recently uh, with their most recent Halo where they had like loads of footage of some multiplayer and it just looked chaotic and a bit shit, if I'm being honest. And to this day, I have not played it Um, (laughs) because uh, namely because when I loaded up, there was no couch co-op. So I stopped playing it. Um but I also didn't play any of the multiplayer because I knew right away that I didn't, I, I wasn't going to be interested in how it was um, running in, in the new game. So I think 
for me, good good points are always like story based or lore based teasers to like get you excited for the world coming, and then in game footage of actual play. So you know what's actually happening. Um, you know some missions, some dialogue. You know uh, some fighting. All that sort of stuff is pretty cool. Okay, I can dig that. I would say that. I'm with you completely that if you if you show in-game footage as your trailer, um, if that's in there, then that gets exciting. If I, if you can if you know, but I think that also there's a caveat there, maybe some uh, it depends on the company. There are some companies you can trust that what they showed you is in-game footage footage is actually in-game footage. And then there are some that will say it's in-game footage and it's not. Like you were saying, it's just not true. And so I think it depends on the company and and what the advertisement is or the the trailer as to how excited I get. Um, I think the thing, though, overall, to add to what you said, uh, that bothers me the most is if you advertise a game like three, four, five years before it ever comes out at all, that... um, with no kind of no kind of end in sight, I think that that's ultimately really frustrating. Um, and I think for me, it's like I would much rather have uh, no release date or a or and and very little. Don't don't drip feed me a bunch of advertisements or a bunch of you know. I don't need that. And I think that most <laughs> people get frustrated. And I think a good a great example of this right now is. Uh, a game like either 1313 that didn't come out, uh, which I think everybody collectively who is a Star Wars fan is very disappointed in um, because it was an adult title. They know so much about the fact this was supposed to be Boba Fett and there's supposed to be a backstory for him and and, a, and more of an adult third-person type uh, stealth. You know, not, not much... It, in terms of Star Wars... It really just looked like a post-apocalyptic world, not just, you know, there wasn't Jedis and it wasn't really clean and it wasn't anything like that. It was really grimy. And so, um, but they advertised this and then they just took it away. And so, you know, for all of the excitement that they garnered and then it just to be dashed, I think that's um, no, nothing good comes from that. And then the other thing is you got a game like Kingdom Hearts 3, which they've had like Kingdom Hearts 2.35 five, 2.5, whatever. And so they've had all these iterations between two and three and three has been advertised for years, like five years or six years, or maybe more than that uh, since, well, more than that, because they've talked about it since kingdom hearts two, which I think was almost 10 years ago. And so to have that, and this game that they've advertised for so long, Final Fantasy 15 being another one that was advertised for more than 10 years and was on multiple platforms before finally, I mean, different console generations until it finally made it onto the most current uh, generation. And so uh, I'm, I'm, I love the lore. I love seeing that in the, in the trailers. I like seeing uh, actual in-game footage. I just, I don't like, having a, an advertisement so far out in advance that... It, I mean, they do the same thing with movies. They show you a movie that's not coming out for a year and a half or 18 months. And I think you lose some... I'm not in advertising, so I don't know if, if this is true, but for me personally, 
I get fatigued seeing something that I know you can't have or don't, you know, uh, especially because you're going to see the same thing with very little changes for the next eight months. And so it's like, you're going to, you're not getting anything new. They're not really, uh, building on that momentum. And so, but otherwise I'm pretty easy going about the trailers. I don't really, I don't see, you know, I, I, I try not to get too worked up about any of them. Uh, they don't really tell you a whole lot about the game to begin with. So I, I really wait until um, I can actually learn something about it. Like you said, a background documentary, something that shows you the world building, what, yeah. what kind of work went into it. Uh, they show you how you can create your character. And all that stuff is above and beyond what you can show in a trailer, you know. And so I put a whole lot more stock into those videos and, and that kind of information than I do just a game trailer. Game trailers for me really are superficial and don't tell me much at all. But you know who I think is the worst for like misleading trailers? This might surprise you, but I think it's MMOs. Oh, you're probably um, right. Yeah. Because this, you know, this is just an example that comes to mind. But back when I was playing City of Heroes, there, when uh, City of Villains was going to be launched, which is like a separate complete title and the two worlds, you know, play together and stuff. Um, and they had introduced the idea of bases um, and the idea that you could form a, a supervillain group or a superhero group and then fight each other um, by, you know, battling bases and stuff like that. So we were all super excited for it. And, you know, I myself invested loads of time and time and money uh, in creating a, a super fortifiable base you know it was it was quite a big deal for me and they did release bases but there was no queuing system there was no it, like apparently you just had to like offline coordinate with another guild to do a base raid um and even then there was no like reward for doing it other than like just props so people right. just didn't. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then eventually when they they introduced the item of power trial, which was supposed to be how your group can get items that affect you in the world that are stored in your base. And then other teams can um, raid your base to try to take those items from you. If I'm not mistaken, I believe that that expansion was live for about one month. Uh, the item of power trial was only live for a few hours before they realized that they had completely screwed it up. Um, and it was way too easy, quote unquote, to achieve for a coordinated team that's used to working together with lots of members. Um, <laughs> that, you know, I think, I think we, I think we had the most items of power on our whole server. And we might have had even more than the hero group. I feel like there was another group that might have had the same number, but memory doesn't serve me. But we walked home with six that day. I videotaped it. it that video still gets views because it was no one else even got to see that content. They pulled it down so quickly. And it was only because we were, yeah, it was only because we were ready to go at launch that we were able to get any because they pulled it down within a few hours, like, you know, maybe 12 hours tops. But the next day it was down and they were like, Oh, we need to do whatever and balance it, blah, blah, blah. And then they, and then it never came back. And that to me is just an example of like, they got everybody hyped. There was loads of advertising about it, loads of interviews, loads of talking and like, yeah, the functionality was real, but 
they didn't keep it in the game. They didn't fix it. They just got rid of it because it was so poorly executed and it wasn't beta tested properly. Right. So, you know, it, it they weren't, you know, they weren't able to, to see what was going to happen in a real environment and it ended up being rather game breaking. But, but that's the sort of thing where the game at release years before that content actually ever came out, that was functionality that was promised. Yeah. And that I think, I think that happens in World of Warcraft. I think that happens in every sort of MMO where whenever they make an expansion, they promise functionality, say that they're working on it or whatever. And you might not get it until a year later or yeah. at all. You know, um, and, and I, I, think I, Warcraft's gotten better at that, but anyway, you were saying, no, I was just, I think that's why I generally don't keep up with releases and, um, and trailers and stuff because, you know, when you get burned like that, like I, I'm sure I spent thousands of dollars, um, on my super group and all that sort of stuff. And with the expectation that that was the end goal yeah. and we had it for a few months before they removed it entirely like yeah. it was never something and that was actually the beginning of the end from that i i lost interest in playing generally i let life take over and i've never gone back to mmos <laughs> so. i mean there is I, I don't think there's any denying or argument that achievements like that and and goals that you accomplish in game that are that intensive require so much of your time commitment that to find out that once you've done all that, that it meant nothing or that they take it away from you. I could only imagine how that deflates you or, uh, you know, would make you disinterested to even pursue that in other games. Uh, I've never really had the time to do that. Like even in WoW when Anne Courage was, uh, was uh, when you had to get the resources, and this is in Vanilla, and you're in Silithus, and you're trying to get all of the resources to open up the gates to get into that particular raid. And, you know, the Horde and the Alliance are both competing to open the gates first. And that was something that was like a server-wide thing where everybody... That seemed... I mean, that was awesome, and that was a mechanic that was put in there that was fully fleshed out. Um, but then over time, you see that there are some of these things that you put all this time in, and I've played that game for now 12 years or more god how long is that how old is that game 2004 14 years goo anyway <laughs> yeah and so you but could I, have a, a small child for that i effort. could <laughs> i do um, <laughs> um so anyway but some of those mechanics that you spend all that time on don't seem to have it carry any weight now which i don't know that that's that big of a deal if if that was something that came out 10 years ago and you don't see the fruits of that now because there's so many players that are playing that that don't even know what you're talking about. You know, uh, I think that's a different circumstance than what you were talking about, where they actually removed a mechanic from the game after you had spent all this time preparing for it. Um, well, and... what it actually granted was there was these orbs that you put in the base, and they were not only decorative; they were really cool looking. If you get a chance, like go search on YouTube for City of Villains Item of Power Trial. You'll yeah. find my video. It's one of the few that exist. Um, and you, I did a base tour at the end showing off all the items you got. And you got to see the raid as well. And, like, the coordination stuff. You can even read the chat if you're watching it on a big enough screen. It's pretty interesting. Like, it, I'm still proud of it because it was a testament to what people who don't even know each other can achieve if they want to do something. Yeah. But what it granted was those items gave every member of the group 
permanent buffs in the game. Yeah. And the buffs were like increases to health, increases to uh, damage, increases my... The one that was game-breaking that we had that I don't think anyone else had was resistance to all status effects. Uh-oh. Which meant that we couldn't be held, dazed, knocked back, anything like that, by anything, PvP right. or PvE. <laughs> yeah, that, that... Which, which was a beautiful achievement. You know, like, we replayed that raid six times in yeah. succession. We gamed for, like, I want to say ten hours straight, just bashing it until we didn't have any more room because you had to have money to, like, put the stuff in your base you had to have a specific room for it so yeah. we literally had gutted the whole base to have enough room to put all these like vaults or whatever so we only stopped when we ran out of the ability to place any more of these items yeah. um and i don't think they were expecting us to have earned that much money saved that much money done all the reconfigurations to the base like required but that would have been a very powerful testament to teamwork and an excellent benefit to carry forward in the game like it made us virtually unstoppable yeah like incredibly hard to kill um with all the stacked bonuses and stuff which was great like that was fun that were made you it all fun. villains we were all villains like it was the one day where the villains were winning in this game <laughs> like it was beautiful it was beautiful but you know i i still to this day don't understand what they couldn't have fixed about it yeah. because there was a there like almost everybody was part of a group yeah so any group could have with enough time effort resources patience done the pve trial to get that stuff like yeah. it could have happened with time we were just the number fifth on the server so and even though we were number fifth even the number ones didn't have it because they weren't ready so yeah. you know if we were number fifth we were ready we put in the time and effort or whatever and then to have it taken away after all that effort you know, it, it could have been something that lasted, unlike what you're describing in WoW, which is essentially like, it, you know, it got you items that with the next expansion would have become defunct. Yeah. Right. Buffs like that would have been useful throughout the expansions because they, you know, protected from status effects and gave you health and whatever. Like, it, there would have been a benefit to joining the group as well. And once that was taken away, those benefits pretty much disappeared because everyone had been working towards that as a general goal. Yeah. So, you know, aside from having people to play with, which is great, there wasn't any benefit really to being part of a group once that was gone, not in the long term. So, you know, that it goes a bit off of trailers, but it's more speaking towards how damaging misleading and misrepresentation of facts when you advertise something can be to people in real life. Like, because, you know, you plan for it. And I think MMOs are the worst at it, but overall, it's bad behavior. They shouldn't do this, and and the advertising standards should come after them. Right. I know. I agree. I agree completely. I think that. I think those are all very good points. And even if you, you know, City of Heroes was probably the first MMO I ever really wanted to play, but just didn't know what I was getting into. And uh, I was like, ah, you know, I can't pay monthly. I just don't know. Oh wow. Okay, I'll do that. You know, it was like that. What for whatever reason it didn't make sense. But. Buddy. Yeah. Okay. Well, that topic is brought oh. to you by our sponsor. Oh, what were you gonna say? Sponsor? I was gonna say I think we bit that beat that dead horse. So oh, for sure. sponsor. Yeah, that, that was dead. Sponsor. <laughs> that topic is brought to you by our sponsor, Audible.com. Audible has a great service for you, the listeners, and you can help us out by heading over to Audible.com and check out their service. 
of a free audiobook and 30-day trial by entering audibletrial.com slash Toddcast. Amanda, what is our recommendation today? Our recommendation today is by an author called Robert Harris. It's a book called Fatherland. And the subtitle of it is What If Hitler Had Won? Um, and it's set in an alternative world where Hitler has won the Second World War uh, and just explores what that might be like. Um, it's like uh, a bit of a Gestapo sort of book. It's got intrigue, it's a bit of detective story, journalist story. Um, and yeah, it, it's pretty cool. It's available with the free trial and it's 11 hours, 28 minutes long. Awesome. Well, you can head over to audibletrial.com slash Toddcast to get that free title now, or you can choose from over 180,000 other titles. That's just so many titles to find, you know, but all the books. Support us by heading to audibletrial.com slash Toddcast and get your free 30-day trial started today. Topic two. So, Games with Gold are awesome. Uh, is awesome? Games with Gold is awesome? Yes, it is a service. And so is PlayStation Plus, even though Amanda can't enjoy it as I can. Um, I'm spoiled. But they're not perfect. you know. So there are obviously some things that we wish could be better or improved. And, and uh, so, Amanda, what do you think might help improve those two, or, or the one that you are most familiar, familiar with, uh, <laughs> Games with Gold? What could make these services better? Or, or what could be improved to, to uh, make those services better? Well, I would say the first thing is, is that if you're going to offer titles from previous consoles, you need to make those achievements count towards this console. And I feel like they don't. I might be mistaken, but I think when you earn achievements in Xbox 360 games, it doesn't count. Like you don't, you don't get it. Um, Somebody correct me. As long as it's on your profile, I thought it counted. Does it not? I, I don't know. I've never seen it count. Um, I see that I get them, but it doesn't. The reason why I say this, and, and it only occurred to me recently that they might not be counting. So if someone knows something that I don't know, or there's a problem with my profile, please let me know. But there's a guy on my friends list, and I just beat Brave yesterday. Yeah, I just beat the game. And it awarded probably 200-ish achievement points gamer score um and before i started playing the guy that uh one of the guys on my friends list it tells you who's ahead of you earning achievements this week and he was 30 ahead of me and i thought oh i'll beat this game and then i'll top that leaderboard no he was still 30 ahead of me when i finished beating that game now there is no way that if he was earning achievements at the same light rate that he would be exactly still 30 ahead of me. You know what I'm saying? Right, so that's why yeah. I think it isn't counting. Um, yeah. So that would be my first improvement. Maybe it needs to be improvement only to my profile. If I'm the only one experiencing this, but I think it Xbox doesn't count when you're playing. Her I know. Give me my gamer score. Like, come on, man. It's life. Like, like you get the achievements, but I don't think you get the gamer score. You know what I mean? I, I don't think. You well, get what's it. the point of the achievements um, if I can't get my score up? Exactly, and I love my score. It's a big score. It is a big score. It's intimidating. <laughs> I have a very large score, a sizable, attractive land. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so the second improvement that I would make is it's kind of hard to tell if a game is worth downloading. I don't think that they've got their 
kind of game preview stuff up and running. I know it sounds really tedious when it's free and you're like, just download it and try. No, no, no. When I was on break, yeah, I tried. I, I went through every single game that I hadn't played that was in my collection and booted them all up. And you heard how that experience went. Right. So, you know, I wish I hadn't downloaded those. They were taking up space. Like just the idea that they were there in the first place angers me. Um, <laughs> so I wish it was a better idea, like a better way to show um, whether or not a game is worth, you know, whether or not you're going to enjoy it. And I think one of the ways might be by showing you which friends um, enjoy it and have been playing it. So, and, and sometimes I log in and I see people playing it and sometimes I don't, you know, like just cause my brother likes it doesn't mean I'm going to like it, but it gives me a bit of context because I know what type of games that he usually enjoys playing. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, is like just making it easier to play together. I don't know what the deal is. Why you, if you're playing an Xbox 360 title, for example, like all of the notifications that you get on your Xbox one seem to not work properly anymore. Um, and when people are like creating a party to play a game and stuff, I don't know. It just feels still very insular. Like I, I feel like, am I going to bother somebody if I ask if anybody's playing this? Like <laughs> it seems like it's gotten like more awkward well, to it's, start it's playing a game. Buried. To, to find your messages and, and to access all that stuff while you're doing something else. Yeah. And I feel like if they want, like everybody should be able to download the game because they're free. So if they made achievements linked to games with gold for playing with your friends and stuff, I think that would be great because as I get older, I think I get a bit more like socially conscious where I'm like, Oh, well maybe they just want to be left alone. <laughs> I haven't sent a message asking someone to play other than my brother in like over a year. And yeah. that's because the last time I sent a message, uh, I was just sat there for like an hour before I got a response that was no. So, you know, um, yeah. I think an improvement to games with gold would be, um, a co-op, uh, achievement for playing with your friends, um, on these free titles because there's no payment barrier. So, I think it might get people playing together again because I feel like that's really fallen off. Um, so those that would be to unless you're uh, playing Fortnite. Unless you're playing Fortnite, which everyone's playing right now. <laughs> exactly. Um, well, I actually have I, I I thought about this the other day, and I'm glad that we're doing this topic because this is something that I've that has frustrated me with um, with especially games with gold. Now um, I don't. I don't use the PlayStation Plus as much. I just I go there to check, and I think it's mostly because I play my Xbox more than I play my PlayStation. But with with games with gold, one of the issues that I have is when you're going through and you're trying to look at all the games and, and maybe what the special specials that they have right now and uh, for people who are subscribers, um, they don't have a a good way to track games that you're interested in. There is no wish list. There is no way to select games to come back and find them later. And so you have to kind of know what you're interested in. So like, for instance, I was looking the other day and I found this full motion video game that I was kind of interested in just seeing what it was about. It got really good ratings. Now, not by any of my friends, but, you know, I play games that they're not necessarily interested in. And so I was interested in trying this game out. It had some trailers on it, but that didn't tell me much because it's full motion video. So it's like, 
it's not really there. There aren't graphics to speak of. You know, gameplay. It's more of like a choose your own adventure. So, but I mean, I, I like stories like that, and and I've I've watched let's plays, and I enjoy I enjoy that to a certain extent. It's a nice change of pace. But it was just prohibitively expensive for the type of game it was, and for the amount of time I would have be able to spend playing it because I think it was a relatively short game. Um, but like on Steam, you're able to add something to a wish list. And what happens is, is when something on your wish list ends up coming up on sale, you get a no- notification. And so if I receive a notification for something I'm interested in buying, or just like if something changes, the status of that game changes, then I'm much more likely to go back and check it out. I have a place that I can look. Okay, here's my list. It's kind of like your Netflix list. Even though I just add things to that list that I never go watch, at least I have that list <laughs> that I could go find and and uh, you know and see like a compendium of everything that I was interested in at some point. You know, I can find it later. Well, in this one you can't. I mean, there is nothing like that on Xbox. And so, you know, and I believe that PlayStation is the exact same way. There is no way to add games to a wish list that I can come back and say, okay, well, I don't have the money right now. But when I do, these are the games that I'm interested in finding. So So with Games with Gold, ideally, if something that you were interested in came up with Games with Gold, it would tell you that it was free. Right. Yes. Or or that it was on sale. You know, that that right now this game is... 70% 70% off because you know a lot of times they'll have these specials just on a select number of games during the month and they may be 50 60 70% off and that's the time to scoop up a bunch of games that you might be interested in for you know five bucks 11 bucks and uh, instead of you know paying full price or or uh, or at least more than you know what the sale price is. But the only way you know is if you constantly come back and check every month or every you know half a month, just to see what's what's currently available. There's just if they had a wish list, I think that 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 would make that service not just more helpful, but I think more lucrative for their company. You know, so I could. I think um, I think you can expand that further. I'd like to be notified when DLC is available for games I already own. Right. Because absolutely. I never know that. I never know. I end up getting advertised to it like maybe a month later after everybody's played it, like yeah. Dragon Age Inquisition. I was checking like every week to see when the DLC was going to be released because I wanted to like play it first. But I never have the time to do that with like most games. But there are games that I would like to go back, you know, and they can tell what you have downloaded. Like they know what you've got. So that's hard. (laughs) Yeah. This, that wouldn't be hard. That wouldn't be hard at all. And to me, it just seems like a no brainer. If If you're not doing that, what are you doing with the service? I mean, what is ultimately, what is your goal of the service? Uh, because you're not, the only way you really get advertised on anything is if you directly access that menu. You know, I go to PS Plus or I go to, um, and, you know, you can't even log into Facebook without being advertised for something I literally just Googled. So uh, why is it that you can't? advertise things that I obviously am interested in because I own these games and and they're on my profile, you know. So I don't want a new flannel shirt every time I log into Facebook, but they think I want one apparently. That isn't that all you wear? It's pretty much. Up in the yeah. cold frozen north of in Alabama. The frozen north of central Alabama? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think those are good tips. Did you have any more? No, that's that was my biggest hang up is just having a wish list because other than that, 
I feel like it's a pretty accessible service. Uh, you know, things are in alphabetical order, so otherwise, I mean, it's not hard to find something. Um, but it's the idea that I could go away for a couple of weeks and completely forget about what I was interested in or not have time to sit there, download a, a demo, watch a bunch of trailers. I say, I want to come back to this. I'll add it to my wish list. So, yeah, I'd, I'd like it if they could sort it by genre or label what genre it is. So I think it's really hard to tell from box art what type right. of game you're talking about unless the guy has a gun, you know, like yeah. other than that, like a gun or a sword. All right, it's some sort of like RPG or uh, shooter. But other than that, I think it's really hard to tell. Like, I I would like it without having to click into it to know what type of game it is. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I, if they, even if they were color coded and you could sort by like, right, show me all the RPGs on sale. Like yeah. with my gold subscription, like I want to play an RPG. Well, and like, Steam does a good job of that, you know. And that's the thing; I, they, yeah. they could take some lessons. Now, there's some bad lessons on Steam as well, but they could take some lessons here, at least on searching and cataloging, so that you could come back later. So, yeah, absolutely. If I could go and just look up games that I'm interested in, uh, or the genre of a game that I'm interested in, I'm interested in playing a new kind of un, unknown RPG than to find a whole bunch of them that, that uh, you know, that maybe I w- wouldn't have been exposed to otherwise because I don't have 30 minutes to go through this whole menu, you know, to sift through everything. I think that would The be last good. thing that I would say is I think it's really hard to track your spend um, on Xbox and games with gold and stuff because sometimes I don't buy a game because I think, like, oh, I have, like, I bought this, or I bought that. But if I actually, like, look back at my receipts, like, I haven't bought a game in, like, three months. Yeah. You know, like, I could swing it. I totally could. Like, yeah. I feel like there needs to be an easier way to show how much you've spent on a game and, like, like so that you could budget better. Because I feel like I don't buy a lot of games when I could buy yeah. more. You know, even if it's, like, seven quid or 15 quid or whatever. Like, that's no money. That's, like, five coffees. You know what I mean? Like, that's yeah. the Starbucks. Like, no problem. I could afford it. But when I see the like sticker price, I'm thinking to myself like, Ooh, but I just bought this. I just bought that. But if I realize that I haven't actually bought anything on Xbox in like three months, like with Fortnite, for example, I bought the battle pass after yeah. a load of deliberation. Like yeah. I was like, Oh, but you know, it's seven bucks and blah, blah, blah. And then I just thought to myself, like you paid nothing for this game. You're having fun, and you would have more fun if you could unlock these items and, like, customize your character a little bit yeah. by the damn thing. Like, yeah. you would have fun. And I did, and I bought it. I don't regret it. I am having a good time, and my character looks cool. I'm a spaceman right now. So, yeah. you know, it's more That's fun. Awesome. It's more fun. I think I wouldn't be playing it as much if I didn't get more frequent rewards. Because if you don't buy the battle pass, you get a reward, like, once every five levels. That's yeah. just a grind. Like, that's not fun. So... Yeah. You know. No, and and I, I I see, and that goes back to one of our other podcasts where I just think that the the DLC or or uh, microtransactions, if that's what you want to call something like this, aren't inherently bad. You know, they're not inherently bad. It's it's um you know there is a you got to weight it and you got to look at the big picture. And and in this is an instance where I I have seen people's experience in the game be enhanced by purchasing. I mean, my son has i think a few of the battle passes <laughs> so um and but i mean i'm i'm aware of each one he's purchased and i know how much time yeah. he spends playing it and everything so it's not like this is you know news to me 
uh, I'm very aware and, and make sure that we kind of check all those boxes and that we address it before we purchase it. But yeah, I see how it enhances the game. So, and I'm anyway. impressed that he went with the battle pack. Like, I think it teaches kids about budgeting and being smart. Like, are you, because you can buy just items. Yeah. But right. they work out being more expensive than if you bought the battle pack and earned them through gameplay. Right. You know what I mean? Like, if you buy the battle pack, you're getting loads more rewards for that money. And I think that it teaches kids how to be responsible and budget and focus on what they really want. Right. Like, you know, if, if you just want the purple pickaxe, that's great. You could buy that purple pickaxe for a thousand gold or yeah. you could level up. You could buy the battle pass for 750 gold, get loads more stuff and get the purple pa- pickaxe at level 15. Right. You know, like. Just play the game. You know what I mean? Play the game. You'll get it eventually, and you'll get loads more stuff, so it's better value. Absolutely. Like I think that yeah. sort of stuff is important for kids to learn. Yeah, and I do too, and, and I think that uh, he's looking at it the right way, you know, to, to get it. Now I can achieve it. I can earn it, and, but I, I couldn't if I didn't have it otherwise, you know. So if you didn't buy that battle pass, you can't. Um, and it, and they're very social. I mean, he's so excited about some of the friends that he's made on uh, – which again, I'm very careful about who he meets, but he met this 10 year old kid, uh, in Missouri and another, you know, nine year old kid in uh, some other place. And they both, you know, they, they communicate on discord and they're all talking. And so I think that's cool because that's a, just on a smaller level or pun intended. It's the same thing as what we do as adults. And, and, you know, you may meet somebody online and become friends with somebody that you have played this particular game and shared this experience with. And then you continue to, I mean, it's, there is no difference there. And I like the social aspect and the fact that, that, uh, he's expanded his little circle, uh, in a healthy way. Um, and is continuing to learn things. So anyway, I, I think that, yeah, if they, if they would notify you about that downloadable content that whenever they add something to the game or if there's, or if they're just on sale, some sort of notification letting you know that something you're interested in is available and at a discount or a way to catalog what it is that you're interested in so you could come back and find those things later. I think both of those things would enhance those services and, and make them a little bit more useful. You know, Preach. Preach. Mic drop. So that takes us to our last topic, which is our featured favorites. Featured favorites are our favorite games they aren't necessarily critically acclaimed or even popular by most people's standards but they are our favorite games and so we're going to list them because that's what we do that's how we do it so amanda what's your featured favorite my featured favorite is a mobile game oh my god here we go uh it's an old one as well it's sims 3 on android and i'm gonna say why because well, you need to. You when need to tell us I know, I'm, I'm gonna tell you why. Even though I would have to do it anyway, you're not gonna let me just say Sim Three might drop. Job done. No, then um, she hangs up. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Bye. See you later. Um, yeah, exactly. No, I got my first Android smartphone. It was a Galaxy S, the very first one, um, and I, I was very proud because prior to that, I had only had a Nokia. Um, so it was my very first smartphone. It came preloaded with the Sims 3. I played that game so much that I even got in trouble at work a little bit, but that's Oops. fine. We, we learned there's a time and a place, but you know how you get, uh, you know, addicted to a new gadget and you just, you know, want to do all the cool things that it can do. Um, 
but it was very cathartic. Uh, it worked really well on a touch screen and not many, not many things at that time did. And not many do now I'll say, right. Um, I've been trying to play Hitman on mobile and it's just painful. Like it isn't fun. (laughs) I I played it for like two hours and I was like, this fucking sucks. Um, tedious like you're you're clicking in to like try to shoot people it's really fiddly like you don't have much control it's just they they uh that's a terrible game but anyway um and tomb raider go i tried playing that like i enjoyed it for a hot minute and then i realized like this is also just a puzzler like i'm just solving puzzles like i'm playing sudoku for free um so I think Sims 3, it let you, like, make a world. It let you do, like, interior design and all the other things that Sims, like, let you do. Um, and it was it was portable for the first time. Uh, and, you know, for me, it may have been portable before then on, like, a handheld game console, but I never had any of those. So, for me, it was my first truly portable game since playing with my friend's Game Boys. Um, so, it's always going to have a place in my heart. Shout it's not the game best Boy. game. Yes, shout out to Game Boy. Um, I never had one, but a lot of my friends did. But, um, you know, it's always going to have a place in, in my heart. It might not be the best game, and I'm sure if I played it now, I probably wouldn't enjoy it as much. But it was the right game at the right time. So that's why it goes on the list. Well, no no way. Sims 3, huh? Okay. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I've, I've got... Uh... I've got a. I may or may not have an emulator on my phone that may or may not have Zelda and a number of other games that may or may not be on there. Um, and I may or may not really not enjoy them uh, because you can't control things potentially. Can't. Yeah. I mean, it's just impossible, man. You know, there's nothing like having the D-pad. There's nothing like having something tactile to allow you to move, and it's just it's not user friendly. So. Yeah. If you have to do anything quickly, <laughs> if it's not like a turn-based uh, RPG, then where where movement isn't all that important, or the quickness of your movement isn't that important, then it's yeah much more difficult. But well, well this me, was before microtransactions, might I add. So it was the full game without any extra money included. Well, that's good. So you know, it was a, the full experience. You can't get that now. So yeah. well, imagine that EA owns it. So. <laughs> Mm. Mm. Well, for Dark me, my, <laughs> my featured favorite this uh, this week is a game that uh, I had to go back and look to make sure that I hadn't listed it before because I know I've talked about it in a podcast. Um, and, I, and to me, I think I'm approaching, and I think maybe we both are approaching uh, our limit for featured favorites. I don't know. We can talk about it. But, uh, I mean, because I have a lot of favorite games. But in terms of like ones that I'd want to put on this list, I think that um, you know that I'm having to really go back into my the the uh, history of my gaming to figure out like do these really qualify for games that I truly think are worthy of being on this featured favorite? And this one was one that as I went back and I thought I was like, oh my goodness, I I, I had forgotten how much I enjoyed it, and that is one of the first Blizzard games that I had ever played. Um, that was also cooperative, couch cooperative, and a puzzler, and that is Lost Vikings. The Lost Vikings came out on on the Super NES, and you played as one of three Vikings that uh, all had to work together to achieve a particular goal. So you had to 
you know and each one of them had a skill like they could pick something up or one could jump or one could do something else and so of the three of them you had to see which switch between them see which one could achieve that whatever puzzle you were trying to get past maybe you needed one to go stand on a platform to open a door and then the other two could get through and then you could go up to the next thing and then bring your third one up so you had to think through and i've always enjoyed puzzle games like that but I remember it fondly because my brother and I played it. And I don't think that we've ever had, until we got older, a more brutal fist fight than the ones that we had when we played the uh, <laughs> Lost Vikings. Um, but when we weren't fighting each other or kicking each other or whatever else, we were having so much fun together playing that game and trying to achieve a goal and working together and, and trying to communicate to one another, like, I need Eric to go here and whatever else, you know. So um, it was a lot of fun. It's a game that I that I think still really holds up. So if you're interested and you can find a copy a hard or a, 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 a an actual cartridge uh, for the Super NES or, or if you find an, an emulated version of it, it's definitely worth a play. It's not a really long game. But it is uh, challenging. Yes. So For that yeah, Nintendo, I definitely have. Exactly. Well, I mean, you. This is a game that um, that I think you could get on uh, on your PC for nothing, and uh, and play it if you have a an Xbox controller. You could play plug in. So it's it is a lot of fun. It's I think it's worth a to go back and look. It holds up. It still holds up well. So Lost Vikings Super NES. So. Well, that wraps up this episode of Retro Rebel Gamecast. I want to thank Amanda for this week's discussion. All the notes from this episode will be posted on our site, simpleofgeek.com. Any questions or comments, sound off in the comments or email us at retrorebel at simpleofgeek.com. Head over to iTunes or wherever you download your podcast and rate us because that really helps our show. Until the next time. See you later.